Sige po, you can stand up, bring your offerings in front. Those that are online, you can give online. Thank you everyone for your continuous support for all the ministries that we do in Beginnings Church. Your tithes and offerings every week, your contribution to our building fund, your contribution to missions. Ayan. And yes, you can pick up a plant for free. Okay? Meron pa po sa labas kasi hindi namin nailagay. I don't know. Hindi namin po pwedeng ilagay lahat kasi magbimisto lang Garden of Eden dito. At uh, it will be hard for me to preach, no? If uh, the plants will cover me and uh, etc. But praise the Lord. Sige po, go ahead. And you can give. Thank you so much. Thank you to our worship team for leading us. Can we just appreciate our worship team today and our tech team, our production team, all the hard work they do every week. Before I share God's word from Philippians, if you recall a few weeks ago, right at the back of your seats, there is this small uh, piece of paper that says, if you could ask God one, one question, what would it be? And I want to take that uh, uh, spend a few moments in that uh, today. So, this, uh, the origins of this actually was like 40 years ago. The 700 Club uh, TV program in the US with Pat Robertson did this man on the street interview. They sent a crew with a, uh, an interviewer, with a camera, with a microphone, and they would just talk to people on the street and, and tell them, if you could ask God one question, what would you ask? And they collated all of the questions and they made a program out of it. So today, I want to deal with one, but I want to acknowledge and read the questions that were given on the first Sunday that we did this, alright? Here are a few of them. Lord, why are there evil people in the world? Oh my gosh, that's a tough question, huh? And by the way, do not look at the person beside you. When you ask that question, okay, because they are not here, the evil people that we are talking about. No. Uh, second, Lord, why do people differ in their faith? Third question, Lord, what is going on in my life and how can you help me resolve my issues? Fourth, Lord, why are, there, why are problems always present in our daily lives? Oh my gosh. Number five, if everything happens for our good, how can we stay courageous in the face of adversity? And trust the process no matter how long it takes. Number six, Lord, why do I forget you sometimes? Those are very good questions, by the way. And we want to appreciate everyone who asked. My preaching next Sunday, October 2 and 16, will address the above questions as well as new ones we received last week. And if you're interested, you can still ask a question and we will address that on the coming Sundays. But for today... This is the question I want to address. And it is a tough one, very personal. My mother has Alzheimer's. I have shared to her and prayed for her conversion when she was normal. And I still pray even in her present condition. I believe that nothing is impossible with God. Can she be saved even in her present condition? Wow, that's a... Not only is that an important question, it's even more important because it's personal. We're talking about not a, uh, an abstract situation. The person who asked this is actually asking on behalf of his own mother. So I want to deal with this by discussing the wider issue of the salvation of children, people with mental incapacities, 
whether the mental incapacity is inborn, for example, Down syndrome, uh, autism, etc., or something that happens later on uh, in life, for example, the example we just read, Alzheimer's or dementia or other kinds. No? And I want to also deal with the third question, loved ones who already passed away. So, I want to begin by talking about the age of accountability. That phrase does not appear in the Bible, so don't go looking for it. It's not there. But the principle is something Jesus himself referred to. When he says in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, If any of you will lead a little child to sin, it's better for you, the adults, to tie a rope around your neck, tie on the other side a millstone, a very heavy stone, Throw it into the ocean and drown. My gosh, this is Jesus talking, okay? But the principle is this. The child is not accountable for his actions because it is assumed he or she is not able to make a rational decision or choice to do wrong or right. It is the adult in the family, in the adult in the life of that child that will be held accountable. And so Jesus says, you better not do that. You better not lead a child to commit sin because you're the one who has to pay for that action. So a person with mental incapacity can thus also be likened to a little child. Whether it is autism, Down syndrome, and later on in life, Alzheimer's dementia, such a person is not able to rationally make a decision to do right or wrong. And therefore, they are covered by the mercy of God. But I want to take you through a few more principles to expand this question. First is this, the heart of God leans towards the salvation of people. When you examine scripture, there are consequences for evil behavior. But the heart of God is always, He wants to save. He says in Ezekiel, do you think I take delight when the wicked die? No, I don't. I'd rather they turn and be saved. God so loved the world, John 3.16, He gave His only begotten Son. So, God's heart leans towards salvation instead of the damnation of people. Second, God is patient and will wait for people to repent and believe. That's what Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. In fact, God is more patient than you. We run out of patience. Would you admit? When you're praying for people to be saved, sometimes it takes so long, say, ang tagal, siguro hindi naman say saved to. I'll stop praying already. You and I are far more impatient than God. God is patient. That's why that text even says a thousand years is like a day unto the Lord. The third and very important, God wants to save not just individuals, but families. Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household will be saved. It's not automatic, by the way. It's not like when you receive Christ, all of a sudden the entire family is saved. But now God has one person in the family through whom He will work to share, to pray, to fast, to invite. So through that one person, the gospel has penetrated that home. And so my sister got saved in 1985. She would then pray for me, share with me, endured my persecution. 
One year later, I got saved. Then together, we started praying for the rest of our family. Our parents had already passed away by that time. So the rest of the siblings. So my sister, by the way, eventually became a missionary and a pastor. I became a pastor. We shared to our eldest brother, who also got saved and became a pastor also. <laughs> so, all right. He's an OFW in Kuwait. Saddam invades Kuwait. All the Filipinos are returned to the Philippines. For an entire year, he couldn't get a job. There was no water in our house at the time, Quezon City. And it, the water is released only from 12 midnight to 1 o'clock in the early morning. To keep himself awake, he would watch TV. There's no internet in those days. There's no cable. The only program at 12 midnight is Christian programming. God arrested my brother for an entire year. Made him, uh, uh, you know, get water from 12 midnight to 1 o'clock. Keep himself awake by listening to Christian programming. And then he gets saved. And then he became a pastor. And then one more from our family and one more. And recently, my brother whom I've been sharing was able to bring to church a number of times in the past. But, you know, has gone away from the, from the Lord. He said to me, my, my name in our house is Abed. I'm the youngest. So that's my kuya. He said, Abed. I'm watching you on YouTube. <laughs> so, he's watching my preachings now on YouTube. For the last 30 years, I have been trying to bring him to church. Right? So, God will, and this is the fourth, God, you cannot limit God's heart and ability to create circumstances so that His chosen messenger can reach an unbeliever to be saved. So, I want to share this wonderful testimony from my own life. We cannot pray for the salvation of the dead. That's clear from Scripture. However, you can pray, Lord, was someone able to reach my parents, grandparents, etc.? So 15 years ago, we were doing a leadership conference in our church in Alabang. And the night before, and I did not share this with anyone at that time, even to, to my wife, Barbara. That night, I said, Lord, was someone able to reach my parents before they died? My, my uh, mother died when I was only 11. My father died when I was only 17. And I would come to know Christ at age 20. So way, way later. So we had no chance to share with them the gospel. So my, my prayer was, was someone able to reach my parents? And I did not share that with anyone. The following day was my session in the conference. After the conference, someone approached me. Because we had invited pastors from Metro Manila and everywhere else. And he said, so your last name is Clavo? I said, yes. Did you grow up in Quezon City? I said, yes. In Project 3? I said, yes. Is that your house that has a sari-sari store and in the middle of the street there's like a mango tree? You know? I said, yes. Wow, we're neighbors. I said, oh, okay. So that's good to know. Good to know that uh, I have met a neighbor that I did not know back then, but now you're a pastor also. And then, he said this, my mother was an evangelist. And every day, she would gather the family to pray because she would say, I'm going to this street. This, I will do house-to-house -house evangelism in that particular street. And he said, for sure, my mother was able to share the gospel to your parents. Did he know what I was thinking about last night? No. 
No one knew what I was thinking about the night before. Lord, was someone able to reach my parents? God sent a messenger just to assure me that before my parents died, He sent a messenger of the gospel to them. God wants to save families. And He will do all that He can in His power to make sure people hear and people have a chance to respond. Amen? So, I want to pray right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, not just for the person who wrote that question about his mother having Alzheimer's and is she able still to respond? Lord God, you in heaven, you are more than able. Lord, the seeds that have been planted, the prayers that have been prayed, you are more than able to make that seed come to fruition, Lord God. In the life of a person who may not anymore be mentally able, rationally able to hear the gospel and respond. Even children who has autism and Down syndrome and all kinds, Lord God. Even people from all the way afar. Even people who, like my parents who have already died and I don't know, I cannot reach them. But Lord, turns out even before we were saved, you already sent someone to reach them. And so, God, thank you. I pray for people that we know in our lives right now that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we will do all we can. We will pray for them. We will fast for them. We will share the gospel to them. We will invite them to church, invite them to online ministry. Everything we can do. But God, we pray from heaven, would you, Lord, extend your gracious hand. And send missionaries, messengers, neighbors, workmates, office mates, anyone and anything, even a truck, in a bus, in a jeep, in the LRT, wherever it is, Lord, a, a signboard. Just let them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give them an opportunity to be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Can we give thanks to God for that? So, if you ask the question... Don't be absent next week and the week after, all right? So today, we will continue and end, culminate Paul's epistle to the Philippians. This message is called the B-attitudes. The B-attitudes. There are three main things to look for in any text of Scripture. When you read Old Testament to the New, who is Jesus? What did Jesus do for us? And how should we respond to Him? Always ask those questions, regardless of the book, and the chapter and the verse that you're reading, ask those questions. What is this text revealing about God, about the Lord? What is this text revealing about what He did for us so that we can get saved, so that we can be healed, so that our needs can be provided? But the third part is just as crucial. What is this telling me to do? How am I, should, how am I supposed to respond? Philippians, Paul addresses all three. The first two, he devotes more time in the first three chapters. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God who, equal with God, came down from heaven, clothed himself with humanity, was crucified for our sins, rose again, went back to heaven, now interceding. All of those things you can read from the first three chapters. What did, who is Jesus and what did he do? But chapter 4 is about us. How are we supposed to respond? Today's message is really quite simple. It's not heavy on theology. Because there's just eight attitudes I want to emphasize today that we're supposed to practice. And if we do, I tell you, your life will be so much better. Your relationships will be so much better. And your witness to the world will be so much better. 
So let's begin. Philippians 4, verse 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here's the first two. And everything is a couplet, meaning there's always two. Tandem. Be joyful and be gentle. Those are the first two B attitudes. Be joyful and be gentle. Wow. You might say, Pastor Albert, isn't the verse 3 a verb? Rejoice? It's an action. Yes. But everything we learn from Scripture is this. All of our outward actions flows out of our inward disposition. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you are full of joy, you will rejoice. You know, it's very hard to praise the Lord and sing joyful songs when you are lacking in joy. When you have a depletion of joy, it's hard. It's like everyone is singing already. It's like, I raise a hallelujah. I, when is this thing going to end? Ang tagal naman service. Itom na ako. On the other hand, when you're joyful, it's almost like, come on, sing more, sing more. You know? And I've been in worship services where I don't want to go home. I want to just keep going and going and going. And in fact, if there was another chance, I'll attend one more later on. Why? When you're so full of joy, the Bible says what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You will have the strength to conquer anything in life when you're full of joy. On the other hand, if you're not, you know, there's a typhoon coming, right? But in Jesus' name, I hope it weakens. But let me use that as an illustration, okay? When you're full of joy, you're full of strength. And even a category four, you can handle. When you don't have joy, you don't have strength. Even a category one, you can't handle. Even a signal number one kind of storm in your life will knock you out when you don't have joy. On the other hand, when you're full of joy, come on, signal number four. <laughs> number five, payan. Okay? I can handle that. I'm not talking of the physical storm, okay? So I don't want you to go out like, come on, signal number five. Okay, no, no, no. I'm just saying that in life, if you're full of joy, you can handle anything. So why is this a couple? Joy and gentleness. Because in my experience with people, People who are rude, mean, always angry, easily offended, at the slightest provocation explodes. They don't have gentleness because they don't have joy. When you are depleted of joy, you react to anything in a mean way. Why are you looking at me like that? Why are you reacting like that? Where is that coming from? You see that road rage or even in the mall or the most recent one I saw, I cannot remember if it's 7-Eleven or mini stop that is changing its name to a chicken. Okay? But this guy was basically berating the store clerk and saying, This is expensive. What I'm wearing is expensive. What he's trying to say is what? Hoy, you better treat me well because look how wonderfully I'm dressed. But you wonder, why, why are you reacting that way to a store clerk? It'll be similar to, murahin mo yung 
magtataho. Anong problema nung magtataho? Kawawa naman. Just selling taho for his family. Then you get upset. Bakit konti yung uh, sago? <laughs> Kulang sa tamis. <laughs> and you take it out on the magtataho. You know why? You have a depletion of joy which makes you such so easily offended, easily upset at life. So the next time you find someone who's like that, who's raging, ipag-pray niyong dagdagan yung joy niya. Mawawala yung rage na yun. Because a person is full of joy, even if you are treated not right, you won't react. You will say, mas malaki pa siguro problema nito kaysa sa akin. Pagpe-pray ko na lang. You know? So one time I was driving from Binyan where we live uh, to go to this side, to Makati, and uh, the skyway was being constructed way before, and when it was being constructed, they was off one lane at a time, except that they don't announce ahead what lane will all of a sudden be closed. So you're driving on lane number three, and all of a sudden it's closed, so you have to like, oh, you have to, everybody's turning right, turning left, and so as, as cars were lining up, you've got this car behind you, you know, how many of you have ever experienced that behind you? And so I'm telling I have my kids behind me. We're going to school first and then I'm going here uh, to Makati and say, my goodness, what is this guy? What's his problem, you know? And I was really tempted to just, you know, to let him pass and then, you know, say something. How many have ever been tempted to do that? Or show something else, right? Yeah. And I did and the guy like, vroom! passed me, and then went to a gas station. And then I said, ah, kailangan na mag-CR. <laughs> so I don't have to react. Why would I waste my energy and my time and potentially your life if ever that guy has, is loaded with something else for, for his honking at you? You just tell yourself, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And that guy, I'll just pray for him. So we went and we arrived in the, in the school. Then I went my way. Be joyful. Be gentle. Next, let's continue. In verse 4. See? See, pati ako tuloy na wala. Parang ko natutulog. Napindot ko ng ano eh. Verse 6, sorry ha. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here's the next two. Be prayerful and be thankful. Those two get together. Okay. So he says first, the, the do not do. Do not worry. Literally, it actually says, be worried for nothing. Because that is how it is constructed. Of course, we don't say it that way nowadays. We don't say, well, Pastor Luya, be worried for nothing. Eh, paano kung hindi mo matapos yung for nothing? Di nasabi mo sa kanya, Pastor Louie, be worried. Why? Why should I be worried? So, so now, in the, the way we speak in English now, we immediately put the negation in the front. Do not be worried. Do not worry. Instead, pray. Why? Because worrying does not solve it. Would you agree? Worrying does not solve the problem. In fact, uh, they did a study of senior. this is in the U.S., seniors in a senior's home. 
And they asked them this question. What is like your one regret in life? So we're talking of 70, 80 plus uh, seniors in a senior home. And 80, 90% of them said this. That I spent too much time worrying about things I could not solve anyway. That I had no control about. I spent way too much time and way too much of my life worrying about something I cannot do anything about. Jesus would say it this way, Who among you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? By the way, other translations say it this way, Who among you by worrying can add a single cubit to your height? <laughs> Lord, uh, minsan feeling ko nang insulto kayo. <laughs> Um, that's true. If you really wanted to get tall, you, th- you think worrying will make you taller? Or will worrying add life? Actually, the reverse is true. Worrying reduces from your life. You are cutting short your life, or at the very least, cutting out the joy in your life by worrying. So Paul says, instead of doing that, pray. Because by praying, you're saying what I cannot solve, God can solve. And I believe He can. And how many of you know that to be true? God can solve whatever situation you may have. All through your lives and in my life, there were situations that we look back and we say, how did we get through that alive? And you can only say, but by the grace of God. Whether it's a physical, emotional, mental, psychological, spiritual, financial, you get past it and you look back and say, my goodness, how did we survive that? How is it that we're still here? But by the grace of God. So instead of worrying, pray. But when you pray, give thanks. So what do you give thanks for? One, you give thanks for all the past deeds of God. The Psalms are full of that. The psalmist would remind the Israelites, remember what God did. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the plagues on Egypt. Remember all these miracles. So remember, remember, remember all the things God did in your, in your life and thank God for that. But not only that. When you pray, give thanks for the answer that is not yet, but you're believing it will come. Amen? That's faith. When you don't see it yet, and we have a song like that, I do recall. You know, Even when I don't see it, He's working. Even when I don't feel it, He's working. Right? So be prayerful and be thankful. Let's continue. Verse 7. What will happen if you do that? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's the next two. Be peaceful and be positive. By the way, yung be positive, hindi po sa COVID yun, ha? Okay. When it comes to COVID, be negative. Okay? But in life, in your attitude, be positive. But let's look first at peaceful. The peace of God. The Apostle Paul talks about this peace as being able to guard. In, in That phrase is talking about a Roman sentinel who guards something. 
And when the Roman sentinel is guarding something, no one can go in and no one can go out. That's why the Roman guards who were guarding the tomb of Jesus were so scared. Why? Because if it was a live prisoner, no one would get out. This guy's already dead. Where did he go? So they were scared for their life because they knew they were going to get in trouble with the emperor. And so the Pharisees con- you know, connived with them and say, you know what, don't worry. We will testify on your behalf okay, that the disciples moved the stone, took the body of Jesus so that you're going to be okay. And the guards probably agreed to that because that was the only way they will not get into trouble. Because who would believe that an angel rolled a stone and the dead guy came back to life? No one's going to believe that. But they will believe, sorry po, in the middle of the night, the disciples disarmed us, overcame us, and then took the body of Jesus away. So when the peace of God comes into your life, the peace of God is like a Roman sentinel where the darts of the evil one to get to you, to put you down, discourage you, this, you know, cause such uh, uh, disheartening of your life, the, the Roman sentinel of God's peace is there and he is punching all intruders into your life. That's the peace of God. And Jesus describes it this way, I leave you peace, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, because the peace of the world is what? The peace of the world is not peace. It's ceasefire. It's governments and rebels telling each other it's Christmas. Let's not kill each other. Let's wait until after New Year. Okay? So that's not peace. That's just ceasefire. Okay? I won't kill you. If I see you during Christmas, I won't kill you. Don't kill me. So both of us can have noche buena in our families. But the moment January 2 kicks in, if I see you, I shoot you. And you see me, you shoot me. That's not peace. That's ceasefire. But the peace that Jesus gives stays with us, guards our hearts and our minds. And for it to remain in us, we must be positive in our attitude in life. There is so many things that are negative in life that if you allow it to enter you, hi, you will not want to leave your house anymore. Diba? Riding in tandem, hindi ah! na ako lalabas ang bahay. <laughs> Depreciation ng peso, hindi ah! na ako gagastos. Okay. <laughs> Mahal ng gas, hindi ah! na ako magpapagas. Pwede rin naman, they don't use your car. Okay. So there's so many negative things in life. Martin Luther said it this way. You know, negative thoughts is like a bird flying over your head. You cannot stop it from flying over your head but you can stop it from building a nest. So those kinds of thoughts will come. Don't feel bad and don't feel guilty. Ah, I had this thought again in my life. It's gonna come. Just don't let it build a nest on your head. And stay there. And then from your thoughts, it comes down to your heart. Then it weighs you down. And pretty soon, you don't have the energy to go out. Pastor Josie quoted this. Pastor Dennis also quoted this. And I'm sure you may have heard this before. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. But where does it start? Get your finger and point it here. <laughs> your thoughts. Your thoughts. 
your thoughts of bitterness, rage, unforgiveness, resentment, anything. Uh, by the way, uh, if I may just reference giving, even though later, you know, dun sa uh, next couplet natin. But I, I do recall one elder uh, in our church before he said this. When it's time to give, and there are two amounts in your head, remember, the smaller amount is from the devil. So the next time you're about, hmm, 500 or 100? Kanino galing yung 100? So, so yun lang. Just, just something for you to think about. Okay? <laughs> so be positive. When I was young, there was a cartoon, and I don't know if you, those of you that are from my generation might remember Gulliver's Travels. It was like a TV cartoon series that we would watch on weekends. And it's about this uh, adult who got shipwrecked and ended up in a little island called the Lilliputian people. Everyone was like this tiny, okay? He's like a giant. He's a normal person, but in that island, he's a giant. But everyone else was this small. But there was a character there. His name is Glum, G-L-U-M-B. And this is his dialogue in every episode. We'll never make it. We'll never make it. That's not going to work. So somebody will make a suggestion. That's not going to work. We'll never make it. Whatever you say, this person will always be, take the negative side. So, here in beginning church, bawal ang negatron. Alright? Bawal ang negatron. Everything na lang negative. Sa, sa test ng COVID, be negative. But in life, be positive. Alright? Let's continue. Verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So let me pause right there. Just give you a personal testimony. When we were growing up, my dad lost his job. My mom had just died. So our family just really went down, you know, financially. And I remember eight of us, eight children, we would buy pandesal, you know. And uh, the eldest, of course, is in charge by Reno liver spread. How many of you love Reno liver spread? Right? Oh, yun lang pandesal and kape. Buhay ka na nun. Okay, so anyway. So the eldest was in charge and he would distribute the bread. Isa-isa lang ko ha. Isa-isa lang. So oh, there's eight of us, you know, isang pandesal. And he was also in charge of putting the Reno liver spread inside each pandesal. And he would like, it's like a tiny, tiny bit. Para daw, pag-ikot doon ng pandesal, there will still be more, no? And so we would eat this pandesal four bites and we still could not taste the Reno liver spread. There's nothing there. Four bites already. Finally, on the last bite, hi, hallelujah, nalasahan ko na rin yung Reno liver spread, you know? Finally, my other kuya got so upset, grabbed the liver spread, took like, a, the, the, you know, the big spoon for the rice and put it on his pandesal and swallowed the whole thing. Okay. And nung araw po na yon, may World War III sa bahay namin between my two kuyas because of Reno liver spread. When Barbara and I were first married, our date place was Gouda. Gouda. That's where we will go. Tapsilog, tosilog, 
Masaya na kami nun. And even to this day, we would still look for something like that or even have like ad balls. But thankfully, now we're able to afford naman a little bit of Korean, Japanese, or whatever every now and then. Meaning, all of us here, I'm sure, have stories like that. Correct? Of when you were younger, you didn't have anything. You could not buy that toy. And so now that your parents, oh, you lavish your children. And then you tell them your horror stories. Anak ha, nung bata ka, nung bata kami, piso lang ang pamasahe ko, piso lang ang baon ko, isang pandesal, kayo hatid sundo. Yan. How many parents are like us? <laughs> na nagdadrama ng ganyan to your children, okay? Hatid sundo kayo, kami nung pinaglalakad kami, layo-layo, you know, and all of that, you know? So, noong ganito kami, ngayon, ngayon, and of course, the children, after they've grown up, they say, here we go again. Si mami, si daddy, magdadrama na naman, you know. But please don't ever forget those war stories of how you overcame. And try to teach your children also to learn to be content. Amen? So let's continue. Verse 14. It's, it was good of you to share in my trouble. So Paul is saying, hey, thank you so much for your help. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. That verse is crucial. Paul is asking them to give, not so much that he needs it, but he's saying, I want you to be blessed. When you give, you are the one who's blessed. When you give to the work of God, you don't have less. You actually have more. Because you're giving to the one who is the ultimate source of everything. So he says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And then he says this, And my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And this verse is very true for us and remains true to this day. God will not just supply some, but all. And not according to the economy of the nation, it depends on the economy of heaven. And the economy of heaven never runs out of the riches of God. Amen? Aren't you glad that there is no depreciation in heaven? <laughs> Hallelujah. So just in case this thing keeps falling, <laughs> do not worry. The world is looking at us and saying, do they really believe what they preach? Do Christians really believe it when we say God is our provider? Because if they see us panic mode, then they'll say, wala naman palang pinagkaiba. With Jesus, without Jesus, panic mode din. You know? So the world is watching. How do we respond to the difficulties of life? Paul, in prison, in chains, would say, I've learned to be content. And I know that God is my provider. So, the last two, be content and be generous. Contentment does not mean you do not have ambitions to progress in life. Contentment simply means this. Lord, what I have comes from you. Thank you. And if you so choose to give me more, 
Oh, thank you, even more. But if you choose not to add any more to me, thank you pa din. I'm good, Lord. Because I am in Christ, I'm good. Wow, that's the kind of attitude that will attract people who do not have Christ. And then be generous. When I was much younger, so much younger than today, <laughs> only a true fan will know. <laughs> My pamangkin said, Tito, can you buy me cheapy? So I did. I bought cheapy, gave it to her. And then I said, can I have some? And you could see her face, you know. I asked you to buy me cheapy. Then you're asking from me. So grudgingly, she handed me the chippy. But the way she held on to that chippy, I barely could get one chip out of the chippy. And it even broke because of the way she held the bag. That is how many of us treat God. Lord, give me chippy. God did. And then God says, now give some of it back. Okay, okay, here it is, Lord. Here, go ahead and get your part. And so God in heaven brings down his hand, takes out that bill, and yanks it off of you. Kalakalahati na lang yung 1,000 bill na hati. Because of the way you're holding on. Problem is, God does not become poor by your not giving. You become poorer. See, giving does not make God rich. Giving makes you richer. Because you set into motion the divine principle of sowing and reaping. Amen? How many of you would like to be blessed by God even more than where you are right now? The key is contentment and generosity. So, here are the B attitudes again. Can I ask the worship team to come? Be joyful. Let's read it out loud. Be joyful. Be gentle. Be prayerful. Be thankful. Be peaceful. Be positive. Be content. And be generous. What will be the effect if we practice this? Two things. Our relationships in the church will be more sweet and our witness in the world will be more effective. Can you imagine if everyone here in Beginnings Church is joyful, gentle, prayerful, thankful, peaceful, positive, content, and generous? We will not have any kind of conflict at all. Conflict flows out of a lack of joy which results in a lack of gentleness. Conflict arises when we're not praying, instead we're complaining. We're not thankful, instead we are grumbling about our life. Uh, Conflict comes when we don't have peace inside. When we are not positive, conflict comes when we have, there is discontent and when we are stingy with God and with each other. But when we practice these things, our relationships in the church will be more sweet. Our witness in the world will be more effective. Let's stand up. There's a song I want us to sing. And afterwards, we will make some declarations. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Go ahead. Let's sing to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Today 
to sing. today. So can you go ahead and show my uh, the last part of my PowerPoint, please? First, we're going to talk about ourselves and say, I am joyful. Okay? Let's begin. Say it loud. I am joyful. I am gentle. 
I am prayerful. I am thankful. I am peaceful. I am positive. I am content. And I am generous. Wow. Yes, you are, right? Yes. Now, look for a partner and say this to them. You are. Let's begin. One, two, three. You are joyful. You are gentle. You are prayerful. You are thankful. You are peaceful. You are positive. You are content. You are generous. Yes. We have one more because we are a community of faith that believes in the power of communal declaration. So let's begin and say this. One, two, three. We are joyful. We are gentle. We are prayerful. We are thankful. We are peaceful. We are positive. We are content. We are generous. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. Lift up your hands, congregation. Dear God, thank you for every message we've heard this past month. From the first until now, Lord. For every word of God declared from the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Philippians. Lord, we, we imbibe it into our hearts. Let it be true in us, Lord. Let it transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Allow us, O God, that Jesus truly will be seen in our lives in our words, in our actions. And Lord, truly Lord God, these beatitudes, our life will be so much better if we will apply this. Our relationships in the church will be so much better if we apply this. And our witness to the world will be so much better if we apply this. Because then they will see, ah, they really believe what they preach because they put it into practice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Join us for our workers' assembly. We'll see you there for our lunch. The rest of us, God bless you. Have a great week ahead.